All right, good evening, everyone. So the topic for tonight is um, noting or labeling our thoughts. Um, but to, to, to get into that topic, I actually wanna begin with an opening brief meditation that's focused on loving kindness. Um, and uh, I'll explain later how I see this practice as connected to the main topic tonight. So um, we're just gonna do a very simple practice that involves one line, um, which is may I dwell in the open heart. Um, but I wanna say a little bit about, I think um, what that line is um, meant to evoke or um, what, is, what is gesturing towards. So um, in a minute, we'll begin a short practice where we begin to direct to ourselves the sentiments expressed by that line, may I dwell in the open heart. Um, but I can imagine someone asking, so what does it mean to dwell in the open heart? Um, why that phrasing, it seems slightly, um, I don't know, unusual, you know, not, not so down to earth. Um, some of you may have an intuitive sense already of what that, that phrase means, in which case, wonderful. But um, in case you don't, I just wanna like maybe put in some other words. I think I, what I think those, those words are, are intending to um, uh, evoke in us, what kind of, what kind of attitude. Um, so, I like to think of it maybe as imagine you're faced with a, um, a friend or doesn't have to be a friend, but someone who has come to you with a difficulty. Um, they're suffering. Maybe they're lost in um, some kind of mental pattern or script that, that um, just catches them up from time to time, perhaps often. Um, and they come to you because they just need to talk to someone. And, um, and I think when I think of this phrase, may I dwell in the open heart, I'm thinking of the way in which I think a person in such a state would like to be heard or responded to. Um, and I think maybe a good way of thinking was like, what, what would they not perhaps appreciate so much, right? To begin with. Um, I think they obviously would not like someone to really like give them a sense that they're not interested. You know, that they, they're just too busy, that they just don't have the capacity to, to really sit with that person and what they're going through. So that when, maybe, maybe implicitly or quite explicitly, someone saying like, no, no, don't have time for you. Please just leave me alone, go away. And of course that happens, you know, but that's not, I think, how we would like to, I think, see ourselves as, as responding to a person in need. Um, but that's, I think that's easy to know. I think um, some other things that we 
might be inclined to do out of a sense of um, kindness or charity, which, but which may also be problematic ways of responding is if we immediately think of how to fix that person, what kind of advice does that person need? Or do you think they need, you know, um, to just get over this problem? You see so clearly that, you know, oh, if they, if they just saw this, if they just realized this, you know, they would just, you know, um, just, they, they would realize it's like they're getting worried over nothing, right? Um, so you might engage in some advice, you should do this, or, or maybe um, rational analysis. Oh, don't you see that's crazy? You know, um, you, know you, you should see the objective situations like this and your response is totally out of whack. So, you know, please, you know, just like get a grip. Okay. Um, so you're, you're addressing the person, but you're really trying to fix that person's problem, you know. Um, and I think maybe another thing that we might do that um, might seem um, motivated by kindness, but which could also be slightly problematic is if we just totally identify with that person's problem and say, oh my God, I know, oh God, like you're making me so upset. And, and then you just sort of like reinforcing what that person, yeah, that person is an asshole, or I can't believe that, you know, things has happened to you. And, you know, um, so, and just sort of feeding that person's suffering, maybe even aggravating it, to some extent. Um, so those are, I think, three, and we could probably think of more ways in which you might respond with good intentions, but with problematic impact, right? Um, I think what I see this line, may I dwell in the open heart as gesturing towards, it's a kind of open-hearted listening that just is willing to be present with whatever that person is experiencing. Um, open to it, not shielding oneself from it, but not wallowing in it, identifying with it, and also not engaging in some kind of rational attempt to um, fix or cure the problem, um, which is actually, I think, another way of defending oneself from the problem anyway. It's another form of aversion. So um, what would it be like to be just totally seen? Your problem, whatever you're going through, let's say you're the person who's suffering, for you to feel just completely um, held in a loving gaze, what you're going through acknowledged, um, and just seen in that way. And so when I think of may I dwell in the open heart, I think of um, a wish for ourselves that we be able to dwell in that space, to give ourselves the space to just be however we are. Um, that may be full of care and love, but it may be full of fear and sadness or anger. Um, it's a kind of self-compassion, self-acceptance that isn't conditional, that doesn't say, you know, you're, you're great, you're awesome, but I wish you felt a little bit more like positive or warm or loving, but that can actually fully accept however we are. And for me, this is actually, I think the significance of that word dwell because it suggests to me not activity, 
not going somewhere or making something happen, right? But just being with whatever the condition that one's present experience might be with. Um, so I think what goes for how we would like to see ourselves as responding to others also goes for how I think we ideally should respond to ourselves. And the truth is, I think a lot of us find it easier to respond to others with something like genuine compassion and care than it is to respond to ourselves in this way, right? We can be so much harder on ourselves than we would ever often allow ourselves to be with others. So obviously there's a connection. I think um, the more open we can be over the cells, the more open we can be with others, but still it's interesting how hard we can be on ourselves. So, um, so I just offer those different ways of thinking about it so that when we do this brief practice, you can sort of occasionally check like, am I trying to make myself feel some other way than I am? You know, am I actually open hearted to myself or am I using this practice as a way of demanding that my inner experience change, perhaps conform to the idea of what it would be to be loving, you know, rather than actually loving our closed heartedness, if that is how we are, because if we can love however we are, including a heart that might feel like stone at the moment, that will be the gateway to genuine compassion and care. There can be no other gateway. Any other attempt to produce or generate a feeling is just gonna be another way of fleeing the moment, um, a way of leaving ourselves you know, in favor of an ideal. So, um, so please assume a comfortable position And take a couple of deep breaths, just to settle into your posture. And before we begin the practice itself, take a moment just to feel the contact that your body is making with the meditation seat and the ground. Feel the pull of gravity, the way your body is being touched by whatever you're resting upon. Please open yourself to all the sounds in the space around you, just listening in an open way to whatever sounds there are around you. And then gently let your awareness come to the center of your chest and feel there in the sternum, in the heart space, the sensations produced by your breath as it makes your chest rise and fall. And let those sensations there in your sternum area, your breastbone area, be just as they are. 
raw, tight, warm, numb, however it feels. And please begin to direct to yourself silently this simple one-line phrase in a relaxed cadence, not too fast, just you know, saying it once in a while to yourself, but saying it with as much heartfelt sincerity as you can muster. May I dwell in the open heart. And just repeat that line for the next two or three minutes, feeling the ways in which you are able to let yourself dwell in the open heart and the ways in which maybe you're not. And there's nothing wrong if you can't. Just notice that and see if perhaps you can have a little compassion for the fact that your heart does feel closed to yourself. So may I dwell in the open heart, just for a few minutes. Please notice if you are exerting some subtle pressure upon yourself to feel a particular way. Is there some expectation or even demand that you feel other than you do? Just notice that and please fold it into your open awareness, which doesn't have to feel warm and lovey-dovey, but just clear-eyed and accepting.
Imagine that you are sitting across from yourself on a couch, feeling the way you are. Are you able to be with yourself patiently, compassionately? And just notice what the honest answer to that question is. And just hold to the intention to try to open your heart to yourself as you are, even if you feel unable. Okay, so um, please do not be upset or surprised if you discovered that you were actually unable to feel open-hearted to yourself. It's not at all unusual. Um, And the only place where we can begin is where we are, you know? And so, um, yeah. That's, I mean, that really is the only place we ever are or can can move from. Um, so um, noting, as I see it, is simply an extension of what we've just done. It's a way of bringing clarity to our present moment experience, but with the attitude that infuses the practice that we just did. Um, So the technical side of noting is the use of words or phrases to occasionally label what are experiences in the present moment. It could be noting thoughts. It could be noting emotions or feelings, or it could be noting sensations or perceptions. Um, So, It takes a lot of different forms or a lot of different variations on the practice of noting. Um, But I think actually one can easily become too technical about it. The exact way you note doesn't matter. Um, The key is the kind of compassionate, clear-eyed seeing that noting is meant to support. And so I wanna really emphasize that it's not worthwhile to get hung up on, am I doing the technique exactly right? I'm gonna offer a few techniques, but, um, but you should tweak them in whatever way feels natural and right to you um, as you begin to find your own way with this practice. But some classic ways, just to, you know, just to make sure that everyone knows what some classic ways of doing it are, is um, so, you know, you could begin by noting that you're breathing in, breathing in, breathing out, 
or just simply in and out. Um, in the classic Buddhist sutras, it's often said, you know, monks, as you breathe in, know that you're breathing in, right? It's, it's simple. And as you breathe out, know that you're breathing out. And Thich Nhat Hanh actually likes to say, breathing in, I know that I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know that I'm breathing out. So that's a simple beginning point is to just note your breathing. And then of course, what will happen is that thoughts, emotions, other sensations will distract you from the breath, pull you away from the breath. And when it does, you can use a label or a notation to acknowledge that fact. So a simple one might be thinking or planning or feeling just for like a feeling in general or anger or fear or anxiety. Um, It could also be tickly or heat, so you feel sensations like that. Um, And I think that right away, it's so easy to get hung up on, wait, is this the right label, you know? And as soon as you feel like you're spending any mental energy thinking about whether or not the label is right, pick something really general, like thinking. Don't even worry about what kind of thought it is or sensation rather than what kind, let's say you're not sure, wait, is that heat or is it tickliness or, you know, just say sensation or sensing, whatever you like, you know, let's say, wait, is this anger or is it fear? You know, cause obviously emotions aren't clear cut. They can be a combination or something. And if you start to say, is it just say feeling or emotion? And then it might come really clear to you. Oh, that's anger or that's fear. And then the label will naturally emerge from your seeing. But one risk with notation is because it's in a way using the mind to give us a space from the mind, you know, um, the mind can easily hijack the practice and start to become obsessed with doing it right and finding the exact right label. As soon as you see that happen, pull back and don't worry about getting it right. You know, you could even just say, oh, perfectionism (laughs) or whatever it might be, you know, and then just stay with the breath for a while. Um, So that's like the basic practice, but I think there are a couple, um, there's a a certain variation on it that I like to do myself and I recommend for particular thoughts that have like a real kind of ability to hook you, that have some juice to them. Um, And so, that is the practice of labeling the thought much more precisely. And so in this case, what you say is having a thought and then whatever the thought may be, just repeat it verbatim or paraphrase it in whatever way seems right to you. So I'll just give you an example. The school semester is about to start up. I have a lot on my plate and I've been having this thought like, I don't know if I can handle it. You know, like it's like, it's too much. I'm not sure I can do it. And so what I'll say is having a thought, I don't know if I can handle it. Having a thought, I don't know if I can do this, you know, or having a thought, it's too much. Your thoughts may be like having a thought, I can't trust anyone. Having a thought, I'm not safe. Um, And again, 
if you know, can see the thought clearly and you can repeat it verbatim, do that. Because it's really, really useful for those thoughts that really hook you in, that make you just spin off, you know, and, to, and believe what the thought says. But if you feel like you're getting like worried about whether that's exactly, just say like ha having a thought anxiety, you know, and just a general label for the thought in general. Um, and the last thing I'll say about technique is we have so many thoughts going through our mind. So clearly we cannot label them all and there is no need to label them all. Um, and in fact, if you try to label them all, you're just going to spin. So my recommendation is only label the thoughts that you feel like really kind of like, kind of have some pull on you. No, like our, maybe not emotional pull, because not all thoughts have emotional pull, but like the pull of really distracting you, like having a thought, planning my vacation, you know, something like that, okay? Um, and just, just accept that there are going to be a lot of other thoughts and feelings and sensations that run through our experience that just don't need to be labeled, you know? Just sort of notice them, see them as part of the passing show, but save the noting or the labeling for those things that kind of bubble up and have a little bit more, take a little bit more mm, air, you know, airspace in your consciousness. Um, but the key thing, transcending all of these techniques is the spirit with which we know. And that's why I began the way I did because it is also so easy to use a label as a kind of baseball bat or a fly swatter, right? Like having a thought, um, uh, having a thought, I can't do this. Okay, now get over that. Or having a thought, uh, whatever, you know, you can just fill in your own thought and you, you notice it, you label it, but you're labeling it in a way that's charged with the energy of aversion or judgment. And now, just because I said this, and just because you try intently to do this, to see and note with a kind of acceptance, it's not always going to be possible. And then just acknowledge that and just see how you are approaching your own mental experience with judgmentalness or aversion. Um, but know that that is not actually the spirit that ultimately we want to cultivate when we note or label. Noting or labeling is a form of acknowledgement. It's a form of caring observation. Um, the last thing I'll say before we do this for a bit is once you note a thought or especially a thought or an emotion, I guess the value of noting is that when you, are, when you do this over time, maybe not right away, the very fact that you can see the thought clearly enough to note it, a label, instead of just believe it, introduces just a little bit of space between you and the thought. So that what might've been complete identification, like the thought is true, like I can't handle this, oh my God, I'm like, what am I gonna do? And then you start like going, one thought leads to another and you start getting more wound up. You can see it, and maybe just like not buy into it so much 
And that is actually the whole purpose of this practice is use the mind to give yourself a little space from what the mind is producing. Um, but once you note a thought like the one I said about, I can't handle it, it's too much. Once you disidentify with thought, and there, I can see the thought clearly, like, you know, I've done this long enough where I can see like, oh, having a thought, I can't handle this. And then I no longer identify with a thought. But what you will see is that, especially for the thoughts and beliefs that have a certain kind of emotional charge for you, there will be an activation of the body that is a correlate to that thought. So the thought content, maybe I can see, but that doesn't mean that the tension in the center of my chest just disappears. You know, It won't be as bad, at least over time, as it would be if I believe the thought, but for this thought goes really far back for me, from probably to early childhood where I felt like I just wasn't able to do what I was supposed to do to be seen as worthy, you know? And so it's a very, very deep thought. And so obviously just like noting it is not gonna make it go away. So then the practice is just to be aware of the ways in which the body has been activated by whatever thought or belief or emotion you've just noted. Um, but this is really important and something I've been emphasizing over the last few weeks. Please do not become fixated on the sensation in the body that's associated with an intense emotion. So for me, right here, tension here, a little bit in the, in, the no in the throat, a little bit in the stomach, okay, it's all sort of interconnected. And I can sense that, but what I do not advise is for you to bring your awareness after noting the thought into those sensations and really diving in and just like, like kind of like, you know, hanging out with them. Um, because especially for the thoughts that have a lot of charge, sort of hanging out too closely with those sensations, getting too fixated on them will actually perhaps aggravate them, intensify them. So one of the arts of this practice is learning to be aware, to hold sensations associated with deeply held emotions and thoughts in awareness, but not drowning in them not getting obsessively fixated on them. And so be aware, but then also be aware of the sensations in other parts of your body. Be aware of perhaps the breath, though the breath may actually be the place you're feeling emotion, in which case then maybe be aware of sounds around you as well. By being aware of other sensations around the places that you're feeling this emotion, you create a bigger container to hold whatever you're feeling without becoming overwhelmed by it. And also by re-aggravating it. In worst case, let's say what you're experiencing is the residue of an old trauma. You could actually re-traumatize yourself by becoming so lost in those thoughts or those sensations. So you wanna create space, which is actually another way of describing what this whole practice is about. Space from the thoughts, space from the sensations. Ultimately, what these practices are doing is creating a larger container in which we can hold whatever we're experiencing without becoming lost, identified, or overwhelmed by them. This is what all this practice is about. It gives them room to be, 
and gives them room to pass away. So um, before we do the practice, are there any questions or just comments about what I've said so far? Because that was a lot, but I want to make sure that we cover the technical, but also the kind of attitude elements of this practice. Carrie. Hi, Bernie. Uh, thank you very much for this. Um, my only problem is that often it's not words in my head, but images. And I never hear anyone talk about images that show up, like little movies playing in my head or, or images from a nature walk that I just took or, or even just, yeah. Other sorts of images. No, thank you for bringing that up. Um, So one of the things I suggested in terms of labeling is a paraphrase, like, you know, so like you don't have to have exact verbal wording if a a thought is verbal. Um, And so if it's visual or perhaps it's auditory or even olfactory, right? Or tactile, you may may vividly remember the touch of someone, right? and, and the emotions that are associated with that, right? So um, just, just paraphrase, label that um, as, you know, um, remembering the walk, you know, um, remembering the smell of the bread that my mother baked, you know, um, whatever it may be. And this is also a good opportunity to say that the labels and the notations are in no way essential. They are useful, but if they ever feel like they're clunky, like Carrie, you might say, the, the, any paraphrase I come up with would be inadequate and would, that would like kind of be jarring. Just see what you're seeing and then come back. And so just the seeing in this way is really what's key. And notation is meant to be in the service of that kind of seeing or acknowledgement. Oh, thank you. That's very helpful, thanks. Having said that notation isn't crucial, important, I do really recommend the labeling for deeply held beliefs. It is so easy to think we're seeing a really core thought or belief while still being so caught up in it. And so it sounds and feels, I'll admit, clunky to say, having a thought, this, you know, um, I, I, I'll always be alone, you know? Um, but Putting it into words clearly both really helps you give, get space from a thought that has such an emotional charge that's so easy to get caught up without even knowing because it's part of your reality, you know? Um, and over time, gives you a lot of clarity on what the thoughts are because you've just actually said them to yourself so many times. And you say, oh yeah, it's that one again, you know? And, and Stephen Levine has this line that he likes to use like, when you see a thought you've had over and over again, it's like, oh, hello you again. So what are you gonna be like this time? You know, And it produces a radically different attitude to some of our most core beliefs and emotions than we otherwise would have. You know? So don't overestimate our ability just to see, simply by seeing. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's do this for 15 minutes, okay? Um, give it a try and then see if any questions emerge as we actually put into practice. So um, please get in a comfortable position again. And please use either the anchor of sounds in your environment, just using the sounds as a reference point to keep coming back to, or your breath, or a combination of your breath and sounds, if that feels good to you. And when thoughts pull you away, when emotions or sensations distract you, note or label as seems appropriate, when it feels appropriate, and then come back to whichever anchor you've decided to use. Sometimes I feel a lot of tension in a particular part of the body, especially associated with the breath. And I like to say tension, just acknowledge it. And then allow my awareness to become wider so it's not so fixated on that tension. So because I know this is a common issue, I just want to say that if you feel the breath is tight or part of the body is really tight and you feel your consciousness zeroing in on it, just note it simply as tension. And then find a way to dilate your awareness by using sounds or some awareness of another part of your body. So you're not fixated on that tension.
Okay, so if anyone has anything they want to share, say, or ask, please do. In case you feel at all resistant to the idea of labeling, I want to admit that I did for a long time. I really thought it was just a bummer to have to do that during meditation. Um, but I, I, I came to realize that it was so helpful. I was just cheating myself. Um, so it might make meditation sittings, individual sittings seem a little bit smoother because you're not sort of, um, yeah, it, it's, you're not interrupting the flow as it were, but it was um, so helpful in terms of the overall arc of practice um, and becoming clear and freer uh, about certain thought patterns that are very deep. So um, it's okay if you feel resistant, you know, it, but at some point I encourage people to give it a try. I also, um, during this sitting, I realized one other benefit of labeling, which I actually um, uh, didn't mention before, which is that it in invites you, calls you to articulate thoughts that you're having that you may not want to admit to yourself that you have. Um, thoughts that don't in any way conform to your picture of the kind of person you think you are. You know, like thoughts of, um, that are kind, that are... Um, yeah, you know, it's just interesting to have to say, oh yeah, I have those kind of thoughts too. Because of course we do. Yeah. Okay, my friends. Good night, everyone. It's good to have you here.